family-owned, community-minded media company. Apply to be a part of our sales team today at ZimmerCommunications.com. This is the Elijah Hart Show with Springfield's premier news, analysis, and opinion on 93.3 and AM 560, the new KWTO. Welcome to Missouri Legislative Week in Review with State Representative and House Budget Chairman Cody Smith. Cody, welcome back to the show. Hello, Elijah. Good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you as well. All right, you know the drill. Question of the day. This one's more policy-related. Artificial intelligence, AI, force for good, force for evil. How should the government treat it? Well, that's a great question, and I think it's one that we aren't really talking about enough. You know, I, I, in Jefferson City, I don't know that anybody's mentioned artificial intelligence in the last couple of years, and it crosses my mind from time to time, should we be talking about this at the state level now? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, whether it's a force for good or, or evil, I think it could be both. It's, uh, you know, the, the advancements related to things like medicine, technology, travel, I think all of those could be great, but they could also turn on mankind very quickly and uh, have a lot of negative repercussions. So uh, I think now's the time for states to talk about what that looks like within their respective states. Do we need to make laws around this? Do we need to to keep artificial intelligence, uh, you know, kind of from, from progressing too far before it's too late to turn back? And I don't know those answers, Elijah, but I do have those questions, and I think it's a great one. I do think we need to be talking about it more at the state level today. I, for one, welcome our new artificial intelligent overlords. <laughs> All right. I'm not ready to do that just yet. But, I was going to uh, say, maybe this week would have been better with AI state legislators than it was. Well, let's hold off on the drama in the Senate, because everybody knows at least a little bit about that. And we'll talk about it a little bit, but let's just talk. Focus for a minute. While the Senate is spontaneously combusting, what's the House doing? Well, we're working, and we're being productive. My gosh, and that is such a novel concept. And I hate I hate to say this to people, but I keep having people be like, well, who do you blame? And I was like, the Senate. I don't know that I can say both sides don't have – both sides have good points, and both sides bear some blame. It's just the issue of, like, the Senate's the problem. <laughs> Truly, yeah. There, there are two sides of the story in the Missouri Senate, and then there's the Missouri House, which is unaffiliated with really any of it at this point. Uh, we've been working away, going through our normal process and being productive, uh, as we will continue to do. And, uh, you know, when you, when you try to manage these things and, and try to deal with adversity and stress in life, they say you should focus on what you can control. And that's what we are doing in the Missouri House. We're doing our job. We're working. And uh, we're being productive. And hopefully the Missouri Senate will become uh, productive as well. But that remains to be seen. Tell us a little bit about what did you all work on this week? Well, this week was the state of the state address, of course. And as that, you know, my job in the the Missouri legislature is to lead the Missouri House through the budget process. And so it was a big week for us to see what the governor has in mind as far as his budget recommendations go. Uh, we, our, we began our I project forgot, back in and December. I, I hate to interrupt, but in all of the conversations about civil war in Texas and the state Senate, I, I almost forgot the governor gave a state of the state this week. Yeah. 
Yes, and and it, like I say, it has a lot of um, implications as it relates to the state budget. So I was keenly interested in hearing what he had to say and getting a look at his proposals. Uh, of course, we began our process back in December. We had some hearings uh, looking at department requests and got to work, kind of rolled up our sleeves early and got to work. Uh, heading into January, that work has continued, and now we have the governor's recommendations. And so we are uh, unpacking those now. We begin our hearings next week where we will bring in the state agencies and uh, their their folks and talk about the governor's request, kind of unpack those, go, go you know, unpack them, go over them with a fine-tooth comb, ask a lot of questions, and try to understand exactly what he's proposing. And so that work begins next week. We're in for uh, probably two or three weeks of long days and long nights, late-night budget hearings. So looking forward to that. You know, I, the headlines. I just got to go off the headlines. And uh, Parson takes victory lap, outlines $53 billion budget. Parson proposes record $53 billion budget. Parson seeks more pay for teachers and state workers in proposed budget. I don't want to say this is a reoccurring theme, but it seems like we have we have watched we have seen this play out a lot over the past few years. Of every year, there's a new record budget. Yes, and a lot of that, you know, we see that nationwide. Of course, every state has seen this massive influx of federal dollars that has. Uh, temporarily inflated the state budgets to record levels. In addition to that, in Missouri, we've seen general revenue growth that uh, has grown by about 30% in my time in the General Assembly. Uh, we started at about $10 billion where revenues were, were hung out for several years, and now we're at about $13 billion in, in general revenue collection. So again, a large increase there. We've had a great economy, and I think that's because we've cut taxes and done things uh, the right way and, and continued to uh, transition into a, a fully red state here in Missouri. But this year, it's a different story. The, the story of the budget this year begins with tax cuts. We have cut, we are cutting taxes this year by hundreds of millions of dollars. Part of that is due to that legislation that I passed a couple of years ago, which was the largest income tax cut in the state's history. It will save Missouri taxpayers about a billion dollars over the course of time once it's fully implemented. And then additionally, last year, we cut taxes on all Social Security benefits in the state of Missouri. So there are no income taxes on Social Security benefits. So uh, we did have some economic growth heading into this fiscal year, but we have cut taxes. So our state revenues are, are flat. We are, we are limiting the growth of the state government or the state government's revenues by cutting taxes, and that's a good thing. But what that means consequently is that we have to be careful now from this point going forward about ongoing spending. And the governor's plans, from what I can tell so far, Elijah, are quite ambitious as it relates to funding new programs and kind of uh, continuing increases. Uh, to be frank, I'm not exactly sure how he intends to pay for them. And we are, we are understanding, you know, we will understand that more over the course of time. I'm hoping that he's found budgetary savings in other programs that he's, he's recommending that we cut to pay for increases in others. Uh, but what I fear is that the idea is that we would use our surplus, our budgetary surplus, to make the budget balance and that we would uh, continue to make programmatic or expenditure, ongoing expenditure increases and kind of use the savings account to pay for it. Uh, when, in fact, you know, Missouri is a balanced budget state. We have a constitutional budgetary uh, constitutional requirement to balance the budget. And we need to make sure that we're not spending more than we're taking in. And so that's my number one objective here is to make sure that this balance, uh, this budget is balanced. And, 
And I'll be looking at the governor's recommendations with a keen eye towards that heading into the next several weeks. This is a conversation point I hear from a lot of people in the state that, well, we've got a mandatory balanced budget and that it is true that we do. The question is, who's responsible for balancing it? Do you all have to pass a balanced budget or does the governor responsible for making sure they don't spend more than we bring in? You know, that's a, a good question. And it's, and it's an interesting one. It, it's a little bit complicated, but I'll make it as simple as I can. The General Assembly should write a balanced budget based on what we expect revenues to be. And that's something that I take great pride in, take very seriously. And we have always done in my time in the Missouri House. Uh, we should we should write the budget uh, that balances with what we expect revenues to be. When I say expect revenues to be, of course, we are speculating a little bit about how the next year might unfold. And if there's a change in revenue or a shortfall in revenue and the budget that is written by the General Assembly based on the information that we had at the time is, in fact, uh, in need of some cuts, then it falls to the governor to withhold and make the make the the budget balance. So at the end of the day, uh, as a matter of practical uh you know, day-to-day management, it falls to the governor to make sure that we are balancing our budget. But that begins with the General Assembly writing what we think is a balanced budget. So uh, the answer is both. It it falls on both branches to make sure that the Missouri budget is balanced. And so uh, my intention is to write a balanced budget this year, and that's what we will do. Uh, You know, we've talked in years past, All there's all this federal money. And it seems like we're at the end of that process. Wrap my head around How's he, or or has he proposed how he's paying for this? Is this the last remaining bits of federal money? Is he borrowing from the surplus? Where's where's it coming from to do this this funding? Well, it's all of the above. Uh, we have the federal money is starting to make its way out of the state treasury uh, to pay for the the things that we've appropriated for it to do. I think we will see over the next couple years uh, that continue to be the case, that this, these dollars will get out of the state treasury, the state budget will naturally contract again, and those COVID dollars will be uh, kind of finally exhausted. Uh, that will take a couple more years to do. Uh, some of these are big capital projects. For instance, we're building a new health laboratory in the state of Missouri. That's a multi-year project, so paying for it will take several years. But we're up against that deadline where Congress has kind of created this artificial timeline where you you must spend these dollars by a certain date or else you must send them back and let them be redistributed to other states like New York and California, that uh, Illinois, that that can't seem to get their their financial orders in affairs. So um, it's a bit of a, a race against the clock, but we'll see that happen over the next couple of years. Additionally, we have the state rev- state revenue surplus, which I, I do believe the governor is drawing on in his plan to help pay for things, including highway projects. The I-70 project is a big one. He's got some recommendations for I-44. Thank goodness that's going to be good news to your listeners. Uh, he is on board with um, uh, making some improvements to I-44, which, as you know, and we've talked about, the, the General Assembly was efforting to do last year. Uh, so that's good news there. But additionally, again, the name of the game is not using the savings account to pay for ongoing expenses, things like public education, uh, the cost of our state's Medicaid program. We have to control those costs and make sure that we're not setting ourselves up for a, a large shortfall sometime in the not too distant future. So that's my primary interest now is making sure that we are managing the budget in such a way that that it leads to sound uh, financial, uh, a sound financial state 
two or three years down the road. Tell us a little bit. Obviously, you spend a lot of time in the budget space, but policy-wise, what did the governor propose anything? Did the House vote anything? What, what was the policy discussion on the House side this week? Well, you know, the governor's speech did hit on some some legislative accomplishments. He is interested in uh, child care as a broad topic, and he's got some ideas about how we can address the child care shortage in the state of Missouri. But otherwise, there weren't a lot of legislative items or highlights in his uh, in his speech. He talked about some of the things we have done, like tax cuts and some of the things, you know, the like the empowerment scholarship account program uh, or the most scholars program that we did accomplish under his uh, governorship but not a lot of talk about legislative policy goals in this next session. On the House side, we we are uh, continuing to work on things that we have prioritized over the last several years. Initiative petition reform is, is the big item that the Senate is currently wrapped around the axle over. Uh, that is the question about how uh, we amend our state's constitution through the initiative petition process, and should that be more difficult to do? We've seen our constitution be amended over the last several years to now include things like recreational marijuana. Um, uh, before that, what is medicinal marijuana? Of course, Medicaid expansion, which is free health care for working, working aged, able-bodied adults. Uh, those things are now legislated into our constitution through the initiative petition process. And once those things go onto the ballot, it just takes a simple majority for them to pass. So 50% plus one, and those things pass, and they are enshrined in our state's constitution. And so we are, obviously, that is, that is uh, counter to the, the constitutional republic process that we have of a state legislature where folks like me are hired to do the job of going to Jefferson City, very carefully contemplating these issues over the course of many months, and deciding whether or not we want to put those in state statute. And if we do change state laws, we have the ability to come back the next year and make uh, adjustments or corrections to, to change those state laws if we have a uh, unintended consequence or perhaps we've made a mistake uh, in the legislative process. Whereas, you know, opposed to the constitutional initiative petition process, again, once something like Medicaid expansion gets into the state constitution, it takes another state constitution amendment to change anything that might be unintended, an unintended consequence or a, a mistake. And so it's not really a, a very good way to legislate. In fact, it's quite poor. Uh, it's more direct democracy uh, as opposed to a constitutional republic. And we talk a lot about how we raise that bar or make it more difficult to amend the state's constitution. And that's, that's the initial petition uh, piece in a nutshell. And again, that's what the Senate is is all uh, in a in a fuzz over or in a fizz over. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's do let's do one or two minutes. Tell me your take on what's going on in the Senate. Is it is there even a path to functionality this year? Well, I hope so. I do think that there are some issues that we need to address, and those again, those things that that the Missouri House has prioritized over the course of time: initiative petition uh, reform, uh, public safety issues. Obviously, the city of St. Louis is. Uh, is a shell of its former self, and, and, and public safety is a large issue there. Crime uh, is, is out of control, and we need to look at ways to, to rein that in. Um, tax, tax reform, additionally, looking at ways to, to remove our state's income tax, that's very important. And then education reform or school choice is one of the most important things that I think we can do, whether it's uh, charter school expansion or the most scholars uh, program expansion or, or open enrollment, any of those things I think are all good tools in the toolbox to improve 
Missouri's public education. All that to say, we need a functioning Senate in order to achieve those goals. And uh, so I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that they can find a way to do that. I'm afraid that this is worse, Elijah, than I've ever seen it in all of my time in Jefferson City. The division, the toxic culture that's going on there uh, is really bad. And, I, and as you mentioned off the top here, I think there are blames on both sides of this conversation, but it's going to take some folks that will step up and lead that chamber and rise above this, uh, this, these grievances and work together to move the state forward. And I'm hopeful that, um, that that is the case, but I've been accused of being overly optimistic in my life, and I acknowledge that uh, it's not looking good at the moment. All right, Cody, if anybody wants to follow along with what you're doing as the House Budget Chair, keep up with uh, your campaign for statewide office, how do they follow you on social media? Um, well, my website points to all the socials, uh, social accounts. It's Cody for Missouri, all spelled out, dot O-R-G. On Twitter, it's Cody for Mo, M-O. And then on Facebook, it's Cody for Mo uh, as well. So any of those ways are good ways to get in touch with me, keep up with the campaign, see what I'm doing, and uh, be happy to, to talk to your listeners if they reach out on those channels. Very good, Cody. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll be right back. Question of the day. And don't forget, 505, we're going to have Holly Rader join us to talk about an insider look at the Missouri Senate meltdown.